welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. I think we're on page 90. So that's where I'll take it from. I don't remember reading this. I think that's where we stopped. Um, God, please help me to set aside everything I think I know about what we're about to read, about the program of AA and SA, the big book, everything I think I know about myself, about these steps, everything I think I know about you, so that I could have a new experience today with page 90, with the steps, with the program of SA, so I could have a new experience, learn new things about myself, and have a new experience with you, God. Amen. Okay, I'm just going to read a little. I don't know how far we're going to go because um, as I look ahead, I, I notice that um, this uh, reading really goes on for a few pages. So um, I'm, I'm not going to read till page 93 probably, although that's probably where it goes to. The first part is talking about just how to find the person to talk to. then how to arrange the meeting with the person to talk to. And then when you meet with him, what to talk about. That's kind of what, what the, the book's about to say. I think it's a little different now. I think most of us are not um, out, on our, out on our own looking for a prospect to work with. Where probably most of us are meeting newcomers who are either coming to our meetings or maybe Someone knows that we're in program, maybe an old therapist or a rabbi or a family member who gives our number to someone, you know, um, uh, like I, I remember Dove in Baltimore was working with a new guy on the phone and then he called me and he said, can you take this guy to a meeting? So I was in touch with this new guy and then we ended up going to, I took him to his first meeting. Like, so there are service opportunities, but this reading you'll, we'll see is a little unusual for, for how 12 step works today. When you discover a prospect for Alcoholics Anonymous, find out all you can about him. If he doesn't want to stop drinking, don't waste time trying to persuade him. You know, you really should join me and stop drinking. He doesn't want to, yeah? You may spoil a later opportunity. That's really important. When we try to shove something down someone's throat, when they're not ready, we may spoil a later opportunity because later when they are ready, they'll just remember those nuts. They're not going to be thinking, oh, I want to go there, possibly. This advice is given for his family also. They should be patient, realizing that they are dealing with a sick person. And I think it's also good for the family when we think our families should be living a certain way, <laughs> not shoving it down their throat either. You know, If there is any indication that he wants to stop, have a good talk with the person most interested in him, usually his wife. Get an idea of his behavior, his problems, his background, the seriousness of his condition and his religious leanings. You need this information to put yourself in his place. To see how you would like him to approach you if the tables were turned. Is that what they call empathy or something? So again, like in those days, it was the 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 alcoholic was was working not just with the alcoholic, but with the whole family. You know, husbands and wives would come to the meetings together. The women would meet in the kitchen after after the meeting started, you know. Sometimes it is wise to wait until he goes on a binge. The family may object to this, but unless he is in a dangerous physical condition, it's better to risk it. 
don't deal with him when he's very drunk, unless he is ugly and the family needs your help. Wait for the end of a spree or at least a lucid interval. Then let his family or a friend ask him if he wants to quit for good and if he would go to any extreme to do so. If he says yes, then his attention should be drawn to you as a person who has recovered. You should be described to him as one of a fellowship who as part of their own recovery try to help others who will be glad to talk to him if he cares to see you. Um, let's read one more paragraph. If he does not want to see you, never force yourself upon him. Neither should the family hysterically plead with him to do anything, nor should they tell him much about you. They should wait for the end of the next drinking bout. You might place this book where he can see it in the interval. Here, no specific rule can be given. The family must decide these things, but urge them not to be overanxious for that might spoil matters. Okay, um, let's stop here. Uh, what time is it? It's 20 to 7. So uh, let's take like, I don't know, six or seven minutes to, I'm going to do some writing or you could just do meditation and then we'll do some sharing. I'm just going to mute my line and then I'm going to pause the recording. Um. Yeah, okay, so eating sexaholic. Um I found it very interesting to to when I came into recovery it was a lot about um who are you? Um, oh I know your mother in law's father's brother. Oh and you know, it's part of it is because the culture where I grew up and you know, we always manage to find a way we know each other and a way we know about something about you. Oh, we know we're friends. It's all, there's always some connection. Um, so part of it was that, you know, bringing that behavior into recovery and just continuing with um, nosy body behavior. Um, but what I've learned today um it's part of getting to know a to know a person, um, because the book tells me to find out about him, um, to find out his religious learnings. Who gives a damn about his religious learnings? Um, well, it's very simple. Is he an alcoholic? Does he drink? Does he whatever? Like, just find out about his um, about his. Uh, his disease about him, what he's, uh, you know, why do you need to know all about him? Um, find out his interests. I think one, one of those, um, his problems, his background, um, the seriousness of his condition. You know, I found a very, like, at one point when I felt like I'm more recovered, like I need a personal, what's, what's the difference in me, what his MOs are. You know, like, oh, what did you do? I found, like, a, a certain, like, a curiosity or something, you know, like, as a, like something like rehashing, acting out behaviors. Like, why? But what I learned today, it's part of, like, if I really want to help the person, I need to know what is all about him. It, it, it's just, I could have a much stronger effect on him. Like, Okay, I'm not saying I have to know who his mother-in-law's brother is, but what is important for me to know where's this guy coming from, to listen to his culture, to listen to his... Um, yeah, okay, so I'm human. I'll go there. I'll go down that route, especially things that I'm used to. But the work I got to do is to keep the principles before personalities after I know the personality. That's my work to keep the boundaries after I know all that stuff. And I have that the information. And not to keep on like making it all about uh, the 
the hack and the schmooze, you know, like all about the, it's, it's having that information, knowing who I'm talking to and yet still keep to the program and keep to the, to the, to the, so that's what I see my work is. Um, There's nothing wrong if I know that the guy is a rabbi or that the guy is a whatever it is. I mean, sometimes it's not important, but there is a certain, I don't know, I was very surprised, you know, by by the book telling me to to, to find out all all that information. But when I thought about it, this is what came to my mind. You know, like, it's just... It's part of social skills, like uh, you know, like we should, we talked last week. It's like you're talking to someone, know who you're talking to. You know, like very nice and cute to keep to boundaries and to keep, but you don't know who you're dealing with. So it's like very hard. You don't know his condition. Um, and it's interesting because I did I forgot about it by checking in. I did talk to newcomer this week, and. He is very, I don't know why, he just reached out to me a few times. I saw him by meeting once. And I, I don't have so much time, but at one point, I think, you know, he reached out a few times. Let me call him back. I called him back. Um, I have no clue about the guy. I have no clue who he is. Um, he probably lives the next block from me, but I don't know. I just don't know who the guy is. Um, I, 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 don't, I know nothing about his acting out behaviors. And I found it very hard to connect to him. And as he was talking, as he was very quiet, I guess shy, and he didn't want to share much. But as he was sharing um, about his acting out behaviors, I found that I had more what to share with him, more what to talk with him. But he was sharing, you know, it's just like, was part of this story came back to me, like, First, I was was so awkward. I was almost quiet. You know, he was saying things. I was like, oh, very nice. Thanks for sharing. Like, it wasn't a... I couldn't have a conversation with him. But the more I knew about him, I was able to have a conversation with him. So that's one part. Um, And the other part is, but not shoving it down their throat, um, I'm experiencing it now with people that I've worked in recovery with. People that I've done amazing work with in recovery that for some reason they took a step back. Um, I don't want to get into some of the details because I'm getting a lot of feedback lately from these recordings. So uh, I don't want to talk about people. And again, you know, like, oh, I know who you're talking about. Oh, this guy, that guy, whatever. Um, So I I don't want to get into details, but I have people that I've worked with that took a step back and I, 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 and and they're not not necessarily acting out or something, but to me, when someone takes a step back, it's maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not this year, but at one point, I mean, at least from what I know about sexualism and addiction, when I know about myself, I know when I slack off and stuff, you know, that it, I start going south. So. I highly doubt it that other people are different. Maybe, I don't know. But according to my knowledge and experience, one day they'll get there. And it's very, the work for me is to not, to stay connected and to stay respectful, and, but yet still not shove it down their throat. And, 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 and someone repeated recently to me a talk he had with one of the people I'm talking about. And he told them, like, you, 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 your wife got telling you you're going to end up downtown in a few weeks from now, whatever, maybe in a few years from now, in some massage parlor or something, and you're not going to know what hit you. Um, and I didn't talk to the guy like that. And there's a reason for it, because, you know, because of the nature of my relationship with her, whatever. But the point I'm saying is sometimes, I, I I have to be smart and in a way of giving the guy a chance, giving the guy an opportunity and not being so harsh. And, you know, even though the way I always hear the AA recording that sound like they would be straightforward, you know, like just give it to you straight into your face. Um, and it is important sometimes. I'm not saying that, but sometimes I 
see in the book that it is important to just take a step back and just let the guy have his experience and his process. Because, you know, you never succeed by shoving down something, shoving down something someone's throat. So that's what came up for me. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Edel. Appreciate it. I don't know. I think there's um. I think there's a few reasons why people would be really pushy with a newcomer who like doesn't even know what's happening yet. Like maybe they haven't even gone to a meeting, and like they're getting they're getting the read the riot act by some. I think sometimes it's personal. Like the person who's talking for some reason has like a personal. I don't know what it is, a personal issue or a personal, uh, if you're threatened, I'm not sure why. And it's sometimes it's social skills, like you said, like you got to know who you're talking to. Like he doesn't know what you're talking about, you know? Um, like I remember once talking to a guy who was talking about how he's doing amazing and he's so excited because he's actually been sober now a few weeks and I don't, I don't remember if he had already been in program. Maybe he was even in program already. And as we're talking, um, it became very clear that when he said he was sober a few weeks, he meant from like having sex with other people, he was still masturbating, right? Like, imagine if you say to that guy, you're not sober. You're not sober. You're, 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 you're a liar. You're, you know, you're, you're still the same man. You just like take this newcomer's excitement of like progress and just like flush it, you know, and having like, I guess that's what you mean by social skills, like common sense to like, um, I don't know what, what would I, what we like validate the guy? Like, wow, that's amazing. He reminded me a story. I, I, I spoke to, to also a newcomer not now a few months ago. And he also shared with me that excitement, sober, sober, sober. And then after a few times talking to him, it was basically he shared with me that he has a relationship with two women. You know, like, he's sober, but he's just like, and like he was sharing with me that he can't let go to raise their numbers, so he still, he needs to keep up with them. So it was like, uh, he wasn't masturbating, was it? But he was having a relationship right. with two women. Right, very similar. So, like, if a I'm married guy. So, if I'm sponsoring a guy and I, and we and we know each other and we trust each other, and then I find out that he's lying, you know, I'm like, I, you know, that's a different story. Like, okay, like, hey, what the, <laughs> like, you are you kidding? Or if I told him, like, you got to erase those numbers, and he's like. Yeah, no, I'm not willing to do that. So then that, that, you know, so I might say to that person, depending on what I know about him, like you said, like, I don't know what to tell you. Because like, you know, you're sober maybe by essay definition, but you're not really sober. I might say that to to a sponsee if if we already are working with each other and like maybe he's not in his first few hours of essay, you know. But I think this is where the common sense comes in. Um, but you're talking also about old timers who leave and being careful. Like, I think there is something to like keeping in touch. There was someone who was in essay a while who basically told me like, I'm not in essay anymore. That was very disturbing to me, whatever the scenario was. And um, I did call Dove. You know, I mentioned Dove before I did call him. I said, I said, I said, how do you make sense out of this? Like, I almost felt like, how dare I and how dare this other person? Like, we were new. People put hours of time into us. So it's like, thank you for, and this person was so sober when they left and they claimed to still be sober. Like, thank you for all the work you did with me. Now I'm going to take it and go. You know, it's like, I don't know. It just felt like, like stealing or something. Like, no, there was a, there, you're not keeping your end of the bargain. Like part of your end of the bargain is like, now you go do that with the next newcomer. So I did call the person and I did share with them. I tried to be very, like I prayed about it. Like I didn't want to come across as like, judge. I don't know what's going on in their private life. They didn't like consult with me. Hey, Shim, do I have your permission to live my life? 
like, so I did, and that was how I came to terms with it. Like, I don't know what's happening in people's private lives. Um, but I, you know, but I did reach out and like, I did say to the person, like, number one, it just like, I have feelings about this because like, you know, we were new a little bit at the same time. This was someone that came in a little before me, like we were new and people spent time with us. That's how, like, I think it's our obligation to help other people. And like, I'm worried, like, how long can you be out of recovery and stay sober? You know, so, um. I do have people that I sponsored along the way who I do keep up with. I don't tell them they know who I am. They know what essay is, but you know, our aim is to be friendly or something. It's going to say later on in the, in this chapter, like even if they're not wanted, maybe we've earned a friend. Like there's a guy in Brooklyn. I still friends with him. I'll, I'll name drop every here and there. Oh, I was at a meeting or whatever, but, but I don't act in a way of like, looking down at him for not being ready and the reading does talk about that the reading talks about like is he ready we one of the things i think we're very judgmental about as a group is like when a guy's not ready not being not being open-minded that like people get ready at different times people are ready at different times and just because we're ready now doesn't mean they're ready now and just because we want to do 12-step work now like we were ready when we were ready here. Like all four of us were at different stages when we got into a program and we're pretty much very similar to each other, but some people don't aren't ready until they're older. Some people aren't ready until they suffer more. I don't know. I don't know what it takes. The only thing I wrote on mine, I guess this is my share is like, just because someone's struggling, I, I did write this down that it's important for me not to assume that, that someone who says he wants to stop and he really wants this. I know that I, I got hurt when I was struggling and other people in program decided for me that I don't really want it. And people said to me, you know why you're not sober? Cause you don't really want it. I didn't agree with them then. And I don't agree with them now. That's not true. Um, it took what it took, you know, um, what does the reading say? It says, um, if there is any indication that he wants to stop to me, one of the indications is that he's at the meeting. <laughs> one of the indications is that he called me, you know, I gave him my number and he called. So I don't know why he's still struggling, but there is an indication that he wants to stop. Have a good talk. Well, in this case, it says with the person most interested in him, usually his wife. I don't know these days that I'm going to be doing that. Um, get an idea of his behavior. Um, so what I wrote down here is, um, I'll just read what I wrote, and then I'll pass it over to you. Because, um, um, when I discover a prospect, I can discover prospects in many ways. I can discover them at meetings. I can discover them by doing service maybe answering or returning newcomer calls that come into the local intergroup, which is one of the, one of the service positions I do. I'm on a, like a Google voice number that rings on my phone when people call the intergroup. These days I can meet people on zoom or on WhatsApp during the lockdown. I was very active on WhatsApp and I did a lot of good old fashioned 12 step work. WhatsApp style. It was very interesting because my whole fellowship during the lockdown with my connection program was just on WhatsApp groups. So I've left those WhatsApp groups. But during that time, there were people on those groups who, um, there were people on those groups who, um, who like really were not really in program other than being on a WhatsApp group with other SA members. So I don't know how they got there. Or, you know, maybe they were once in program or they joined program or somebody puts them in a WhatsApp group. But every so often I would, you know, message with someone and say, hey, what's up? Where, you know, and just share a little bit about myself. And there are people today who are sober through those connections, who have sponsors, who are active in SA. So those were examples of like these readings, you know, re restructured for 2020, you know. Um, learn everything about him. So when I let's say I meet someone on WhatsApp, so I'll usually ask them like, "Hey, what's your story? Like, send me a send me a WhatsApp note." 
And I want to know, like, have you ever had a sponsor? How come you stopped working with the sponsor? Like, if you have a guy, I had a sponsor once who went through a bunch of sponsors. I had a sponsee once who went through a bunch of sponsors. I was like, what's the issue? Like, you keep going sponsor to sponsor. He's like, I don't know. Basically, the sponsors were all telling him the same thing. Go home, read these pages, write down uh, four columns and call me back. This guy could barely read, barely write. He was major learning disabled. <laughs> you know what we did? We met in, a, in, in the old Route 9 location in Lakewood. There was like a room in the back. We met in the room in the back. And I said, give me your notebook. We read, the, we read it together. And then I said, okay, tell me the name of someone that you're really angry at. He's like, my father. I wrote down, father. I said, what are you mad about? He tells me, I wrote it down, column two. He did this, he did that. Yeah. And then I was like, what do you care? Why, why do you care that your father did that? He's like, what do you mean? Look, everything he said, I wrote down as column three. And then I gave it back to him. I said, look at this. This is column one. This is column. He's like, but if, if you give him the notebook and give him the paper, I said, okay, now you do one. He's just sitting there frozen. Okay, give me the, and, and that's how we did his whole fourth step like that, right? Like, if you don't know who you're working with, then he'll be on sponsor number 250 who gives him the same advice. Go home, read, read the doctor's opinion. You know what happened if this guy read the doctor's opinion? <laughs> Your walk, it won't help him. <laughs> doctor's opinion, he'll go crazy. Now, I have a little bit of obsessiveness. So when they told me, go read Bill's story, I remember day after day reading the tombstone. A doggerel. I didn't know what a doggerel was. It's like a, a week later, I'm still on page one, you know? So sometimes you just have to get to know the person. Like, oh, this guy doesn't really know how to read. <laughs> Let's do it together. Um, okay, and I'll just finish with this. The million-dollar question. It says, do they want to stop? I have sponsored people. I'm thinking of one guy who re, who always was not he was was not sober, and he did step work. He went to meetings. He did step work. It was very confusing. And one day, I don't know why, we we're sitting in the park doing step work, and I said to him, "I said, do you have a desire to stop lusting and to be sexually sober?" He's like, "No." <laughs> Straight up, no. He's hoping that the program will like force him to be sober against his will. And um, it was one of those like scary moments of like, uh oh, I think I know what the big book wants me to say next. I said, yeah, it's like there is a part of this that you need to put in. I told him, like, you need to want this to work for it to work. It's not going to force you. Like, I think what I thought of at the time was like, I want like if I buy a um, if I buy a power tool like a chainsaw. It's not going to help me cut down a tree. I have to like, I have to like plug it in, turn it on, put the chainsaw to the tree. There's like things you got to do. You can't just buy the chain. So I, I look at the 12 steps and the meetings. Like I look at it as like a power tool, but there's like a manual how to use, like if I don't want it then I don't want it. The first deer of the season is on my front lawn. I'm sitting in my car and it's sitting right in front of my car. I'm just staring at it. I know that's not on the reading, but I'm going to take it as a spiritual moment. Hello, deer. And my son got his first tick yesterday. A big, um, um, I think it's called a lone star tick. It had a big star on it. Now we have a big, beautiful tick sitting in a plastic bag in my kitchen taped up. So it's tick season, it's deer season, it's the spring, it's the warm weather. Someone told me yesterday, this is a good example of a newcomer versus an old timer, right? This newcomer yesterday says to me, the weather's getting warm, it's really dangerous for sobriety. Now, I, did, I honest to goodness, misunderstood him. And I said to him, 
I don't like the weather's getting warm. That's great for sobriety. Like it's so much more relaxed. The winter is much worse for sobriety. Like it's so depressing. It's so cold. And he looks at me like I lost my mind. And I'm like, what did I miss here? And then he says, but, but nobody's dressed anymore. And I was like, oh, right. I forgot about that part. <laughs> like, oh, people are taking their clothes off when it's warm. And it's like, I think that's what we're reading about. Like getting into this person's shoes. And, and I like what the reading said, turn the tables around. What, how would you want to be treated if you were this newcomer? And to me, when people accuse me of being too soft or loving with people, it's like, like I don't know. The book tells me turn the turn it around. Ask myself, how do I want to be treated and to treat people that way? All right, I'm done sharing. Pinchas, you're back. You go next. Thanks for letting me share. Okay, so I love the reading because and all the shares it gets me thinking about like um, what you know, what I can do differently and what I can do more of. Um, and I guess for me, like, the, like you know, brought up the difference between um, old, you know, people who have been around a while who are taking a step back and then we have the newcomers. And it's, you know, in the book, it's not, we don't, I don't think it talks a lot about old timers decide to take a step back. Um, I don't say there's not enough time between the beginning of Alcox of Anonymous and uh, the writing of the book. It's a miracle if they even had anybody to write that book. But uh, um, so, but like I also like I wrote down that you know, anonymity is not so black and white. That's what came up for me in the reading, and I think that's really important. And another thing, like I talking about common sense and. I think that for it's the common sense is great so this is not so common for people like me um, until it was really like a God sense to me. Like I, pr- I, I pray, I have to ask him, it doesn't tell me, ask him in your morning meditation, what you do for the man who's still sick until you gain common sense and then stop asking because you got the common sense. It's not the way it works for me. What happens is I pray and then at the end of the day, I'm like, Hey, that was common sense. You know, like, I never knew I could do that. I never knew I had common sense. So that that's kind of like the way it works for me. A lot of, a lot of open-mindedness and prayer, like, God, please guide me. And um, I pray while I'm on the phone with guys, while I'm listening to somebody share their story. Before um, I ask them a question, um, before I say the response, I'll pray. Because I don't know what to say to somebody and I don't have like a logic like okay if A then B if C then D if A and B together then do E like I doesn't I don't have all that worked out and so I don't know um, why I don't even know why I say one thing to one person and something else to somebody else Um, and I don't know why when I call my, you know, when I call my sponsor or somebody else in the program, they tell me one thing or another thing. Um, I think there's a certain amount that we become attuned to something that's not that's beyond logic, and when the other person is talking, that's a, this thing is part of it. And then as well, I think there is um, there's a, there's a lot of God in that it's never together, almost like the, like I'm hearing something. I'm not just hearing you tell me. Like, oh, you don't, uh, you know, you're afraid about X, Y, and Z. I'm hearing something else. And I don't necessarily know what that is. So for me, it's very important to strangely be, be open-minded and open for, um, to hear what I'm, what I can improve at the same time, trusting myself and trusting what I'm saying to someone else. Um, so th- that's really like important for me. And I, um, I, that's just the that's just what works, I think, for me and for other people that I speak to. Um, by nature, I'm very I'm afraid of confrontation, but I find that in program I don't have um, a problem being very blunt with people because I um, I'll be blunt with somebody if I feel that um, that's what you know that's what they need to hear and. 
Um, I don't always know. It could be that I'm saying something that's too harsh. It could be that I'm saying something that's too soft. But it could be, what do I know? Um, I just don't have the, I don't have evidence. I don't have uh, case studies. I don't have any of that stuff. I do have a program that seems to be growing and working by people getting sober and sharing their experience with others. And when, when I encourage my sponsors to sponsor other people, I tell them to trust themselves. I don't tell them, when they say, how do I sponsor? Tell them to trust themselves. I tell them, you're sober, you're working a program, tell people how you did it. And don't worry about getting it wrong. And we'll check, you can check in and uh, you know, I'll give you feedback if I have any, but the real thing that works over here is people getting sober and sharing their experience with others, not some magic metric of how it's supposed to be done. Um, and and my group, I don't want to get too um, detailed about people because, you know, I, I some people listen to this. I think that different personalities help people get sober. Um, people come to a meeting and they'll have um, they'll, they'll have a bunch of guys who have been around for a while and some of them will be the guys who will say, you just acted out yesterday, you're amazing, they're a champ, yada, yada, and they'll, they'll, or, or if you get sober today, then you're a champ and you don't have to do anything else. It doesn't matter what you do to your family and your children. And then there's, there's other people who will say, like, and that, and the variety of the experience helps people in different stages of their recovery with different personalities, with different, um, so, you know, God has a better plan for SA than I do for SA. So, you know, I was talking to uh, to another old timer a couple of weeks ago, and it was like, you know, I come in and I think like, okay, my way, I develop my way, and my way is the is the best way, and that's why I do that because it's the best way, right? Which is really not true either. Either what I do is I find my way, and then I decide it's the best way because it's like that's my way, so it has to be the best way. But even even bigger than that is, it's not one way that, that's the best way. It's the, we as a group have an opportunity to do something really amazing and to have a variety of people with a variety of personalities and a variety of experiences and a variety of, um, and the people who were, who came in older and the people who came in younger and the people who got sober when they were their first meeting and the people who didn't get sober for one year, two years, three years, five years. And the guy who's sober for the guy, the guy who helped me get sober was sober 54 days. And then eventually left the program. Um, and but he helped me at that stage. I spoke to him because I identified with him, and I didn't identify with these guys who were sober a year and two years. Um, and I I needed that. So um, you know, if, if I walk into a room and it's, all, it's only a bunch of guys who are sober for who have been who have been in the rooms for five years or six years, then maybe I have nobody to talk to. And so I can think that. Um, the guy who just came in needs to talk a certain way and he's missing the point and he doesn't know what real sobriety looks like. And, you know, but he's, it can also be God's messenger to bring sobriety to the newcomer, even if he doesn't end up staying sober. Right. And I guess I know for myself, like, I, I, sometimes, sometimes I, I start struggling with patience with somebody, you know, the way they're interacting with others, like, or with their wives and like, you just can't do that to another human being. And, you know, obviously I've forgotten, I've forgotten what, that I can do those things to another human being. And I've done those things to another human being. And um, I was blind to it as well. So I'm not talking to the person from where they're standing. Um, and, Again, like I just I don't feel there's any um, there's, there's there's any formula for this. I just feel there's a lot of God, and you know, God God works beyond formulas. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about the the, the I guess when we came up with the old timer, and I'll then I'll uh, I'll pass the old timer who this program. To me, it's very very sad, and um. It's, it's sad for two reasons. It's sad for the, um, I, I know for myself, I, I don't know about acting, acting out again. I do, I'm scared. 
I'm afraid. I'm always afraid that I'm going to act out again. But I know for a fact that when I get a little disconnected from the program, my old attitudes start coming back. My life becomes. I just like start feeling unmanageable, creeping in, and you know, my wife starts being meaner. I don't know, like, she didn't start going to me, but she starts getting meaner, starts getting less sensitive, and my kids start getting more annoying, and, you know, things, all those types of things. So it's sad to the person who's leaving, and it's sad as well, I think, because, um, you know, like, in the beginning when I came into the program, the problem the, the talks about this, like, the, um, the, when I came into the program, my own self-interest aligned with the program. I have no job. I have no, no religion with my wife. I, I, my religion is upside down when I start getting honest about it. Maybe not in the outside in my case, but like when I start getting honest about it. So then you come and you tell me what this program and sanity will return. And it's like, it doesn't make sense to me, but at least the goal is the self-interest goal. And for me, the program has to change into something where I'm actually interested in doing something for others where there's no, where I'm not going to get them directly in return. That itself is the biggest reward. Um, and if I don't make that change, then I'm going to get like, okay, I got a, I got my job back. I, I started making a little money. My wife likes me. Now I, why am I wasting my time at a meeting? And it's you know, it's sad when that uh, um, when when that doesn't happen. So that's that's all I have. Thank you, Pinchas. First of all, I agree with the last thing you said. I don't have anything to add. But the first thing you said about like praying for what to say, that's very powerful. And I appreciate you sharing that because that's helpful to me. And Harvey talks about that a lot, like just asking God to talk through him. And that helps him not second guess. What did I say? What didn't I say? Was it the right thing? Was it the wrong thing? I asked God to speak through me. What, what more could I do? You know? And and the other thing that someone once told me is to remember that if it's a newcomer, somebody just came to program, don't be so scared of ruining his life. He he already ruined it pretty bad all by himself. <laughs> the only thing you could do is probably help it, but but um, you can't make it worse than it already is. He's only up from here. Um, that's another good advice that somebody gave me, like in terms of just like the anxiety of like new sponsors. Like, how, how could I sponsor someone? And then the other thing is like, you were talking about a guy with 54 days helping you. Um, the stuff we're reading about working with newcomers is based on Bill's experience with Bob. Bill was six months sober when he met Bob and he had already been doing his 12-step work for six months. Ebby um, was two months sober when he started working with Bill and started when he... Um, Sorry, I just got an alert here. Um, Ebby was two months sober when he met Bill in his kitchen, which Bill bases a lot of his, um, you know, rules on, you know, especially in his story. Um, and then Dr. Bob started working with others when he was sober less than a week. He's like, okay, Bill, you carried it to me and now I'm sober. But uh, it seems like it's really important to help others. Where are we going to find someone? And then they went off together. Bill helped him, but they went together to the hospital in Akron and worked with Bill Dodson. Could be there was a guy before that. I don't know. I'm getting conflicting reports on the internet. If <laughs> there was a different AA number three who never made it possibly, I don't know. But whatever the case is, um, and that's the picture of the man on the bed. They sat with him. Um, and, and Dr. Bob worked with thousands, took thousands of people through the steps before he died, thousands. He would take one person through the steps, then go through the next one. So, like, yeah, we, we, we don't have to be hundreds of years sober. And then you said something about the big book being written in a short amount of time. Like, they didn't have experience with old timers. It's funny you said that because I realized that in the 12 and 12, they do talk about it. Like, there's in the 12 and 12 where, like, it says to the sponsor, if the guy you're helping doesn't like what you have to say, introduce him to somebody else who might have a different message. I realized that they probably didn't like this chapter doesn't have that kind of advice. There, there was nobody else. It was just you. <laughs> there was no people. Oh, go introduce him to another guy in your meeting. What meeting? So I think you're right about that. And thank you. I appreciate it.
Yeah, you know, you're going to say something. May I? Yes. May I? Yeah, okay. Now, um, uh, the God piece was something very powerful to me. And I realized it's something that in the beginning of recovery, I'm talking beginning even after five years of recovery, where I went really wrong. Um, and I had like my mahalach, my way and this guy's way. And I'm more towards the, you know, understanding the women and the other guy. It's when I get tangled up in all that garbage, it's like, you know, this isn't my way because I have no way. I have no way. It's about God, what God has given me in that second, in that moment, what I, what I needed. And as someone told me recently, um, uh, um, you know, you you changed. Your feedback is like more compassionate, more loving. And I think I shared it here already. This meeting gave me a lot understanding of that, you know, because I didn't struggle when I came into to recovery. I got sober, and I'm sober since I came in. Um, well, I had ups and downs. Maybe it's not perfect sobriety, but when I look at the whole picture, it's progressive victory over lust for the last 10 years, and a lot of progress in, in victory over lust. So I didn't have that struggling of, 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 of relapsing and trying again and people telling me, but I've learned a lot about that in this meeting. So um, I could say I definitely changed, you know, my, my views on it. And, but when I really look at it from a godly perspective, this guy that's telling me my feedback changed, he had to hear five years ago what he had to hear then from me. I had to tell him that because he had to hear it. And now he has to hear something else. So, yeah, if I get tangled up in all my, yeah, you know, Shim changed my way of thinking and have a new way of thinking. I, I don't know what, where I'll be in five years from now. Maybe five years from now, I'll learn something new. And it's not about I became smarter. It's about what I needed at that moment, what the other person needed at that moment. If I really believe in the way God orchestrating essay and orchestrating everything, the whole puzzle, the picture of everyone you know, talking to me and I'm talking to them. This one has to be right now. And I don't have to now go back and think, oh, what did I tell that guy five years ago? I messed up his life, you know, like it was very stupid advice. No, it was where I was, where, where that guy was. It's just like the third part of, of, of the serenity prayer, the wisdom to know the difference. To bring God into the picture. It's not about me, my way. It's about what God has in plan for everyone right now. So I appreciate that, Pankas. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Ido. Thanks, everyone. <clears throat> I'll share one more thing, and then we're going to close. I think I shared this once before about this part about if this guy wants it. Um, Earl Hightower, on one of his talks, has a series, I think it's on the Catch the Buzz, where he does the workshop through the steps. So every segment, he takes questions and answers. And I think it's either there or on one of the other recordings. He says, the question was, Earl, what do you think about someone who is in and out, in and out, in and out of AA? And first, he has to tell his joke. So first, he says, well, I think that he is someone who's in and out and in and out and in and out. And then everybody laughs. And then he says, in all seriousness, what difference does it make how many times he's in and out? Is he in or out right now? If he's in, then walk over with a big book and say, hey, do you want to go through the work? If he says yes, then go through the work. If he says no, then leave him alone. If he leaves, then, you know, I don't know, pray for him, call him. When he comes back, walk over with a big book and say, hey, do you want to do the work? If he says yes, say, like, that was his answer. Like, at some point, if he's serious, he'll get it. So um, I think that speaks to something that I saw in the reading, which was, it did say that I want to work with people who want it, even though the 12th step is not about the person I'm helping, right? The rule number one is it's, it's uh, how do you know if you're a good sponsor? Not if the sponsee is staying sober. If you're staying sober, well, then who cares if the guy wants it or not? 
So obviously there's some kind of balance. It's the, my 12th step is about my recovery. And if the sponsee is struggling, then that's their problem. But I'm still being asked to help people with the goal of helping them get sober so that they could help people. So fellowship can grow up around us. Like we saw on page 89 or whatever it was like they're like, but if they're serious about it, then let's do the work, you know? Ah, uh, okay. I, I don't have anything else. It's late. I want to close this up. Um, let's take a moment of silence for the still sick and suffering. And one of you mentioned it. I think it was Pinchas. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. That's so important. Like that's really, I think, where where it begins and ends. So I want to just pause, and um, and in the quiet, I'm going to ask God what I can do to to help me today. Um, be available for the man who's still sick or the man who's still suffering. <laughs> Not sure what you guys heard in meditation, but you know what I heard? I heard the answers will come, Shen, if your own house is in order. <laughs> it had like an ominous tone of voice to it. Like, go get your own house in order and the answers will come. All right, let's close with the um, third step prayer. God, I offer myself to you to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self so I may better do your will. Take away my difficulties so victory over them may bear witness to those I might help. Of your power, your love, and your way of life, may I do your will always. Amen. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. I'll see you next week. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.